Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I am Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio, and this is the sequel to our most popular episode. I know. That it's a lot from, of pressure. That guy from Kentucky or Tennessee, what, what state's he from? He's going to be real excited. Well, we don't know if it's, we don't know if it's a guy or a gal. Mm. Could be anybody. Guys, I, I, I say guy non-gendered. You know what, though? It is an interesting episode, because The Sisters Brothers is a, like a very interesting movie, and part of me wishes that we had The Sisters Brothers to talk about, like, again. Let's do um, it. <laughs> just dig it. Part of me wishes with this year we were talking about that Walking Phoenix performance instead of whatever everyone's talking about um, this year. Um, we're not going to do beer this week because who cares? Um, we are drinking Sea Hack. We're right? drinking Sea Hack, but we're not going to like, you know, we're not going to dig in here. Um, but we wanted to go over the Oscar nominations. You know, um, Joker got eleven. Irishman got um, ten. Ten. Um, Once, Once Upon a Time also got 10. Also got 10. It's funny, though, because Joker and Once Upon a Time seem like they're in play. And, I- well, and 1917. Yeah. Well, I re- those three movies seem like they're in play, while Irishman just seems like it was 10 token nominations. Well, which is Which is really strange. Yeah, well, th- I think the thing with, I- uh, you know, um, I'm right now looking for the one category to make the comment, and I cannot find it. Uh, well, I, I think the the thing, like, that is interesting with Irishman, in comparison to, well, nineteen seventeen and Once Upon a Time is it actually got an editing nomination, mm-hmm. whereas Once Upon a Time and nineteen seventeen did not. Yeah, um, but it still feels like Irishman's just kind of there, and I think maybe it's because all the precursors are kind of being like, nah. yeah, I and mean, I think we talked about this before, like the Irishman even came out where it seemed like after the. The uproar of the Green Book fiasco last year that they were gonna, the Irishman, the Irishman being good, seemed like a safe bet for the Academy to just dump a bunch of stuff onto and be like, see, see, look, we don't hate like normal people. We love Martin Scorsese. You know what I mean? We're paying attention. We're with it. Um, but it doesn't seem like they want to do that this year. It seems like they really want to keep this no. Green Book thing rolling. No, what they really want to keep going is awarding comedy directors. You know, comedy. Oh man! You know what's so? You know, they quoted they they awarded a good comedy director last year, and this year they might award a fucking shitty comedy director. Oh, he's not gonna win best director. No, he might win this. Well, neither did fairly, but um, he he may he may get a screenplay. Like, there's there's that. We'll talk about it. There's that fear. So we're gonna do this, folks. We're gonna go. We're gonna and they may get picture still, and that'd be Bradley Cooper's Oscar finally. He's got eight nominations now. Yeah, but how's that make you feel? But to, to that end, Brad Pitt oh. has two Oscars, I think, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Or just but but how does this make you feel, though? That bad, Bradley Mario. Cooper it makes me feel fucking bad. has eight Oscar nominations. You know what? Before Saoirse Ronan's 40, she's going to have, like, twice as many. So Yeah, she has... <laughs> if she made more movies, she'd get nominated more. In, what, 14 years she has four... No, 14? 12 years she has four nominations? Yeah. So she's getting nominated once every three years? Didn't but now it's just now it's picking up steam, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't there was like a, a hole in the middle from Atonement to Brooklyn, and now it's just it's kind like of whatever. Year. Yeah, now it's almost like what Bradley Cooper did when he got nominated three years in a row. That's uh, that's true. That's true. It's too bad she didn't she's get nominated for Queen as, of Scots last year. She's almost as good as Bradley Cooper. We should all hope to be almost as good as Bradley Cooper, Mario. That should be all of our goals. Her and Bradley Cooper have been nominated the same amount of time for acting. How does that make you feel? Bad. He stinks and everything. I just so. want to keep drilling. This Although, again, 
I was thinking about it today when I had a really horrible thought, which was that Green Book, I enjoyed Green Book more than I enjoyed... Which is that Jeff Sessions is going to win the Alabama Senate race, probably? I don't think so. Um, You don't think so? No. I was looking at it. I think he's going to win. doesn't matter. We're not talking about politics tonight, Mario. Um, (laughs) We're not getting off track already. What was I going to say? Oh, I was like, oh, Green Book is a... I would rather watch Green Book than Joker, like every day of the week. You know what I mean? Green Book is a a problematic movie. But it has its moments. You know what I mean? It's got its moments where it's pretty fun. Joker fucking stinks. I'm not, not 100% sure I, what's happening here. Over the break, I have not really been drinking beer. Yeah. And I forgot how much I like I like beer. Tonight's going to be a problem episode, folks. No, it'll be fine. You and me. We're supposed to go somewhere after this, but like, oh, this, this sea hag's going down easy. All right, but we're going to do some picks. We're going to make some picks, and we're going to post our picks, and then people can laugh at us for our picks. Uh, we're going to... We're not going to do the shorts. No, I don't. I haven't seen any of the shorts. We're not going to do the short thing this year. No, just I don't. This year sucked. Well, so that right? Can we we say that now? I've officially seen most everything I need to see. I'm not going to be able to get to like Hidden Life, but this year you're not missing. 2019 was yeah. 2019 was was bad. Nothing blew nothing blew me away. I wouldn't say that it was bad, but collectively it's a weird year because there's stuff. So I made a list. I drew a diagram. I don't have my diagram here. It's with attached to my like rough list. I drew a diagram and I drew like I made a list of like the obvious movies that had to be on my list. And there's ten now. After this week, and we'll we'll talk about that. There's I had ten movies, but I was like, oh, what about these other ones? And so I drew like a bubble. Like I literally drew a bubble, like a Venn diagram. And I drew no, look, it just looked kind of like this. <laughs> it looked kind of like this. And I drew like the movies on the bubble here and like tried to think of how they could bump off things on this list and they just couldn't you know what i mean like i like certain things about all of them but all of them also seemed weirdly flawed in ways that i kind of couldn't process anymore um or to put it more succinctly in talking about what the problem is all of those movies i couldn't see what their purpose was for existing you know what I mean? Like, they weren't doing anything. They were made to be cool movies, and aspects of them were really excellent. And But ultimately, I was just like, okay, well, if that movie didn't come out, I would be fine. Yeah, I gotta say, like, my bottom two films right now in my top ten are movies I found entertaining. Yeah. I didn't love them. Mm-hmm. But I just thought they were entertaining. And, like, my eight was, was also that way, just a little more Well, that's... So, I'm... Um, not even my bot. I like my I like my top ten list, but the rest of my list is littered with movies that I found just entertaining. But they're not better than any of the. They're not objectively better than any of the things that I put on my list. Maybe one. And I think last Maybe year my eleven could have been my ten or whatever. But but. I think last year I had like at least my top two films were. In some way, transformative for me. It, but then you it, also had First Reformed, and you had like At Eternity's Gate. You had these great movies that were like not your top two, but they were just excellent. Not Eternity's films. Gate was three, right? But that's what I'm saying. Like they're ex- those yeah. were excellent movies. And then like Mandy didn't even make your list. I would fucking kill somebody to have a Mandy this year. Yeah, no, would exactly. murder somebody. There's to have a nothing Mandy. that's like what I lost my. Body is like the closest thing to like something that's kind of oddball weird, but that's even in itself. But Mandy wasn't even not... oddball weird. Mandy was like a kick in the balls. Yeah, like yeah. we're going to talk about 1917. I liked 1917 a lot, but it wasn't a kick of the balls. You know what I mean? It's just a good movie. You know what I mean? We don't have to talk about that right now. But that's the thing. I I just even like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I think a lot of people are just like, oh, it's just. It's like, yeah, or you would expect like unkind, like re, or, or uncut talk gems, about yeah, uncut gems, and like Good Time for me was. Flawed but really interesting. 
Um, and Uncut Gems was just kind of there for me. You know, it's it's just a lot of movies this year have been kind of there. All right, let's go through some of these. Oh, right, we should probably do the let's thing do, we said we're going to do. Do you want to do best documentary too? Because we did not do. I don't have a relationship to any of these, and I think American Factory is going to. No, let's not do best documentary. Let's not. Let's let's not let's do the, the shorts, the documentaries, or the. Should we do the production things? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I like those. All right, let's, so let's, let's start, start with score. Score. All right, so the let's start big. So the nominees are Joker, uh, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, and you know Rise of Skywalker got in there because John Williams is going to die. Rise of Skywalker has th- Skywalker has three nominations. It's so funny. The movie stinks, but like the sound and all, it's got what sound. But I didn't think stuff. the sound was that good. Nor did I think the visual fun. effects were that good. I thought the visual effects were actually pretty bad. But what do I know? Um, I think I think this is a Joker one. For score, I think they're I think they're giving it to yeah, her. Yeah, no, I, I would not want it to win, but I, I agree. Joker's yeah. Joker's my my score. Um, so all right, uh, song I guess song. Um, I can't let you throw yourself away. Toy Story Four. I'm gonna love me again. Rocket Man. I'm standing with you. Breakthrough, Into the Unknown, Frozen Two, and Stand Up from Harriet. This um, is a weird one. For, I'm between Stand Up because I I think they want to give Cynthia Irvio an Oscar of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, and she will get the Oscar. Like, yeah, she's, she's, she's on it, yeah. Um, and I'm just going to love me again just because they want Elton John to get an Oscar. I'm time. assuming even though this is not the Golden Globes that they're going to give this to Elton John. I'm going to I'm gonna say stand up. You're going to say stand up? All right. All right. What's, just so we have a little bit of a difference here. Let's go. Let's go th- we're talking about sounds with music. Now let's talk about sounds with the editings. All right. The, sound editing. Ford versus Ferrari. Joker. 1917. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Star Wars again. I'm leaning towards the 1917 here. Yeah. 19- I'm assuming like a sweep here. Uh, yeah. I'd lean towards 1917 here. Um, sound mixing. Ad Astra, you got you got one. I was surprised Rocket Man didn't get in here because the mixing was awful. Yeah, but I would have thought like they typically throw those things a bone. But it was objectively terrible. Like you, you couldn't no. even people that like don't know anything about sound mixing. Not to say that either of us know like a lot about sound mixing. We're like I couldn't hear them sometimes. I'm like yeah, that's bad. That's a bad job. Um, Ad Astra, Ford versus Ferrari, Joker, nineteen seventeen, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm going 1917 again. I think. I just don't think they split this up. I think it's. I'm positioning here a kind yeah, of. Yeah, with it, with it, with its ten nominations, I'm going to say they don't split it up, and I will say 1917 as well. All right. Some some part of my gut says Ford versus Ferrari maybe wins one of those. Only because it got the best picture nomination. So yeah, maybe it's, it it takes something. All right. Let's go over to a. Let's go to. Makeup. And then costume design, I guess. Yeah, makeup, makeup, and makeup and hair. Bombshell, thought, Joker, was... Judy, Maleficent in 1917. I'm gonna say bombshell. I think bombshell too. Yeah, just for the. Uh, well, it got Roger the Hines. makeup got one of its actresses a nomination, even though she is terrible. <laughs> okay, so costume design we have Irishman, Jojo Rabbit. Goofy nomination there for me. Uh, Joker, Little Women, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, I go weird here, you know. Gut says Little Women would take this just mm-hmm. based on history. I say Joker takes this one. Really? Joker hmm. takes this one. Um, I have Little Women because I just can't. I think. I think it's gonna have a big night because everybody sucks, and people have been listening to people tell them how much they suck 
for like a month and a half. Oh, I see what you're saying. You I, know was what like, I, mean? I was like, it's costume design. Well, it wouldn't costume design is perfectly. No, I think it's. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, film, film editing, or no? Let's go visual effects. Visual effects. Avengers, The Irishman, 1970. Avengers Endgame, The Irishman, 1917. Yeah, the not, Lion not Infinity King. War. Not they Infinity didn't. War. They didn't go back in time. No. Like, um, <laughs> Avengers: and, Age of Ultron. Oh, that's. They should do that. The Lion King and Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. Uh, I say Irishman for this one. Just... See, I say 1917, only again because I'm positioning like just big night thing. Would it surprise you at all if Avengers won this award? No, uh, none of, out, not, actually, honestly, none of these would surprise me. Even Lion King would not surprise me, given you know the win for Golden Compass mm. years back. Yeah, yeah, yeah visual yeah. effects is always a fucking crapshoot. Yeah, I just go off of Irishman just because of the technical aspect. It's such of, a heavy. Of, Aspect of the of the, of film, the creation yeah. of the three you know tiered camera. Yeah. Um, you know, typically, it feels like when you create new technology just for a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. Well, there's something about that, and like, in especially when they want to award something that I don't think is going to be getting a lot of. Awards. I was thinking about the editing award last year for Bohemian Rhapsody, and they essentially just gave it to that guy because he had to do so much editing. You know what I mean? It's like when you invent new things to yeah, do this take really out all stupid of Brian thing, Singer's, like molestation from the film. <laughs> Why is it always in the mirrors? Do it offset, you idiot. No, we can't say that. Um, I apologize to the victims. Film editing. Ford versus Ferrari. Irishman. Jojo Rabbit. Don't you love how Jojo Rabbit's just like snuck in here? No, I don't, actually. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like it at all. It's, a, it's funny, though. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, but it's funny. Well, the culture had forgotten Jojo Rabbit existed until the Oscars were like, oh, yeah, best picture. <laughs> yeah, and then they're like... I'm surprised, but he didn't get, I'm surprised they didn't get a director after all the weird nominations. Every, I was listening to a bunch of podcasts where everyone was just like, we assumed Todd Phillips' thing was going to go to Taika. And I was like, why? <laughs> why would we assume that? Yeah, I assumed it was going to go to Gerwig. But... I did too, but people are idiots, so we don't know anything. Well, no, I, I, have an, I will comment on that during our Little Women talk. Okay. Um, Joker and Parasite. You know, the, 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 my heart... Really wants to see Parasite take this one, uh, but I'm gonna say Ford versus Ferrari. See, I think the I think this is a Thelma Schumacher special here. Okay, where I'm not sure. I'm getting the impression that people aren't watching these movies and they're just looking at like the names and they're watching a part of it and they're like, yeah, she's good. Well, I'm, I'm legacy, off, like a legacy award I'm thing. Off this idea of like the porn ultimatum, you know, when it won film editing. I guess so, but that seemed like a. It seems like they really love to nominate like technically action heavy features now. Yeah, like award, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where where my like Bohemian goes. Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so I guess we go up to uh, this production design. Uh, we got. Did we not get production design? We didn't do production design yet. No. Okay, production design. Um, is The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, again, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Um, I'm going Once Upon a Time in Hollywood here, because I think it makes people feel special. I'm going to go crazy and say Parasite. Yeah, you had mentioned that before. Um, I just think it, they're, they're been campaigning hard. Like you've, you've, I've seen articles on it. I've seen discussions on it. The little mm. documentaries on just the, the the overarching fact that they built this house from the ground up just to fit the narrative of the film. And I think like there's a lot of background campaigning hard yeah. to give Parasite. To the, I do see. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's the 
the most likely winner. Yeah. But I'm just predicting an upset. Like a kind of weirdness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think it'd be weird. I think that. No, no, no. But what was it last year with the? um... I mean, of these five, I would be happy with either Once Upon a Time or Parasite. Well, I just think when I think Once Upon a Time looks great. I think the voters when they're looking at stuff are gonna be like, "Look at that sign. That sign looks real." Yeah. I used to be important when that sign was still in existence. I'm gonna vote for that. What do you? What back when black people weren't nominated for anything? (laughs) Um. Oh, Jesus. Cinematography. Irishman, Joker, Lighthouse, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think it's obvious this year. I think it's, I think it's foregone with 1917. I think so, too. Um, I think so, too. I would... Now they're just going to give Roger Deakins like, Oscars every minute. I mean, I don't like three of these. I, don't, I think three of these are not good cinematography. And then there's The Lighthouse, which is The Lighthouse. Like, it's no. not going to win. So I think Deakins is is the kind of, you know... Yeah. He's were like you, the default person you, here. But I remember I was looking over at these nominations when I first saw them. I was like, Lighthouse Cinematography. And I like stopped. And I looked back and I was like, Lighthouse got actually got nominated? It's pretty good. Cinematography? Like, that's pretty the good. win in itself. I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. Maybe maybe Robert Eggers makes a movie that makes uh, like he's got a modicum of narrative sense next time and he gets nominated for everything. Eggers is a guy I think I think we talked about how he's kinda of like always on the brink and just needs to pull it back. Eggers is a guy I imagine that's gonna make that movie that just kinda of like But you have a whole bunch of, of directors on my little bubble diagram here that have made this that are in the exact same place. You got Ari Aster, you got the Safties, you've got Robert Eggers, you've got um uh, who was the fourth one that I was thinking of? Now I'm not David of Robert Mitchum. <laughs> David Robert Mitchum. Um, but they're just ready to make something big, or they seem like they like their next thing's gonna have it all figured out. They're gonna stop just doing their shit well, and think, make something cohesive. Well, I think that's different with Edgar's versus Aster and Safty. Is like his he, he has like a visual footprint down at least, so he has like a, a visual um, vernacular mm-hmm. that is. Kind of pretty sound. It's just his his narrative. Yeah, the level. narrative building. And it basically, if I think if he eventually co-writes something with somebody, and that person kind of just actually writes the film for him, mm-hmm. and says, "Yeah, Roger, Robert, you did it," you know, um, and he just gets yeah. to make it. I this, think that will be the thing that kind of. This like is why you stop talking to your brother, Robert Eggers. It's enough with the brother stuff. His brother David Eggers. No, no, no. But I think he works with his brother on like all this stuff. Oh. <laughs> I was like. Wait, is David Eggers a person? That's a person, right? Dave Eggers, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> a heartbreaking work of staggering genius. Um, all right, what do we do next? Screenplays? Um, no, animated and oh, feature. Animated, feature, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, uh, which is just exhausting. Have you seen that movie? Oh, I it is. I watched it is. the first How to Train Your Dragon. Oh my like, God, those fine. are terrible. Jay I Bar- hate those movies. Jay Barchell's here. That's, that's um, good, good for you. I Lost know. My Body, Klaus. <laughs> Missing Link and Toy Story 4. Um, <laughs> Take that Frozen 2. I think I Toy Story it. 4 is going to win this award. I think the... I think the I'm goal. fucking doing it. You're doing it. You're going to pick it? I'm picking it. I lost my body. All right. I hope you're right, Mario. I hope you're right. It, to be honest, though, I don't think Toy Story... I, I'm picking it, and I don't think I lost my body is going to win, but I also don't think Toy Story 4 is going to win. You think people have just had it with Toy Story? I, I just don't... Yeah, I don't think it's it's has... I'm going to be honest I'm going to be, if, if you're asking, I'm picking I Lost My Body just to send out that energy. Yeah, that's good. Kirby, take my, take my spirit thing, uh-huh. you know? I'm really thinking Klaus wins this oh my God. <laughs> somehow. 
I was gonna say I thought I thought you were gonna say how to train my people dragon. People are gonna see that, and anim- I think people are just gonna fucking enamored by the animation style, which is great. But the animation the, style is good. But the animation for all of these is, is better, isn't it? Klaus is like new and different. Is it? Why? Because their jaws are squared off. I don't. Get it. I don't get it. All right. All right. Foreign Doesn't language matter. film. I'm not talking, calling it international feature film because it's a stupid fucking name. Foreign language film. Corpus Christi from Poland. Uh, North Macedonia, Honeyland. Uh, Les Mis from France. Les Miserables, because I can't really call it Les Mis. No, you should think of the thing. Um, Because France shows the wrong movie, apparently. Uh, Pain and Glory from Spain, and Parasite from South Korea. I'm doing it again. Pain and Glory. You think so? Why? I mean, I think Parasite's going to win. I'm doing a Pan's Labyrinth versus... uh, I mean, I'd be happy about that. I mean, I I like Parasite, too. I mean, that'd be cool. I mean, I prefer Parasite, but I'm I'm just going crazy. Huh. Interesting. Very You'll, see interesting. Why. You'll see why I picked that. Okay. Gotcha. Um, okay, all right. on to the screen. Oh, supporting uh, screenplay. Screenplay. Oh, Let's just do supporting. it. Um, original okay. screenplay, Knives Out, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Oh, it's a... Mm, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, what do you say? I've got my marriage story here. Uh, okay. I was between those that and the other one. I'm going to say they give a third Oscar to to Tarantino. See, and I think, I think they're going to give that movie another big Oscar, and they will let Noah Baumbach have this one. I see what you're. I see what you're thinking. Yeah, I see what you're thinking. Um, Adapted screenplay. We got Irishman by Steve Zalian, uh, Jojo Rabbit by Takawatiki, Joker by Todd Phillips and Scott Silver, Little Woman Greta Gerwig, and Two Popes by Anthony McCartan. They realized that they have to do this, and they give it to Little Woman. Um, I don't, I hope that happens, Mario. It would mean, it would be the best moment in Oscar, like modern Oscar history. Especially if, if she goes Noah, like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, but if Noah Baumbach and her both win Academy Awards in the same night, that's amazing. Especially, especially since Kerwig wrote a Baron movie. Yeah. Although, uh, have you actually read the Marriage Story script? I like how he wrote that script. No, I haven't read it. No, you told me about it. Yeah, yeah you like it. Because like yeah. ellipsis and like using cap, like the fact yeah, that yeah, he yeah. actually like, snar- he actually wrote out like the emotion the screenplay of marriage stories like significantly better than that film here's uh, here's here's a uh, uh, a take mario is that marriage story doesn't show up anywhere on my list at all on any award for anything it Which, falls just below like every category that i might want to give it something it, it, to it gets one nomination so two one nomination for me um i think this is an irish you, you guess what's going to be nominated for me oh yeah what do you think? <laughs> I'm going to give a spoiler right now. It's not, is it screenplay? It's, it's lead actor. That's it. Oh, really? Yeah, he didn't make my list. Yeah. And Laura Dern, I will say this, though, does make supporting actress for me. She does not make my list either. Well, right now she does. She might, she's kind of like six-ish. But I preferred her in Little Women. Yeah. Well, she gets some, she gets some real emotions to feel in Little Women. Um, I think this is an Irishman one. I think supporting actor? This, no, or for adapted, screen, adapted oh. screenplay. I moved on. I think they... Um, I wouldn't it be just surprised seems so. If, it just seems so easy. I wouldn't be surprised if Watiti wins this though either. Really? Oh my yeah. god! Like, that can't win an award unless it goes to Scarlett Johansson. They cannot win an award, Mario. That's bad. That's bad. That's a bad job. <laughs> okay, supporting actor: Tom Hanks, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins, Two Popes, Al Pacino. That's my Al Pacino guys. That's Irishman, Joe Pesci, Irishman, Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This is who we think is going to win, right? Yeah. Yeah, Brad Pitt's going to win this. 
This is not. This is the most foregone conclusion in the world. Supporting actress because I'm not going to say his fucking name because I. Outside seven, I'm gonna. I'm, I want him to stop making movies. I'm the one person that thinks Meet Joe Black performance was really good. I never saw. I never really finished Meet Joe Black. I never got through it. Well, when you know what his acting is like, if you saw any of it. I actually, I don't remember how much of that movie I saw. I love that movie. I don't know why. I just do. Supporting actress, we got we got the Kathy Bates for the Richard Jewell, which people. People seemed happy about her getting in there for that. Really, I think I thought people seemed pretty mad that well, J Lo took or that she took J Lo's spot. No, I think people. See, I I, did, I thought it was more people thought Margot Robbie shouldn't have got in there. No, I was reading. I don't know. I'm not reading like I'm, I'm going off of Reddit's opinion. Honestly, here. Oh, um, is Reddit anti Margot Robbie? No, I just don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's stupid that she's nominated for this instead of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but. I thought oh. Bombshell sucked ass. So. I thought we we're talking about Kathy Bates. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was right. like, I don't remember her in that. I think Kathy, I think it's stupid that Kathy Bates is nominated for this movie, um, <laughs> not for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, uh, Laura Dern for Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh for Little Women, Margot Robbie for Bombshell. Um, I think Dern wins it with a possible Florence Pugh upset, and I'm. And I'm going for Pew. Yeah. I think like they're really heavily starting to campaign the year of Pew thing. Yep. And I think um, she has, she made the same kind of speech that Laura Dern made, but made it better. And it meant more and was more oh, impactful. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you know what, uh, we're going to talk about the one she talks, tells yeah, Lori. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, what she tells Lori, like just kind of. That's a turn for me in that movie. We'll get to that. Okay. Because um, I did not like that movie until that part. Until like around that part. Hmm. Um, what do we want to do next? Director, actor, and actress? No, we'll do actor. They're not as important as okay. the director. Uh, lead actor, Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, and Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. Um, I, just, I, just I think wanna... this is pretty set in stone also, although I do, th- I think there's a, there's an Adam Driver DiCaprio like thing I think that happens although I think that Walking Phoenix is pretty set in stone here I'm gonna do it I just, I just wanna go keep going crazy I'm gonna go crazy again okay. Banderas yeah he just I don't think I don't think it's gonna happen no but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say one crazy thing I don't think Phoenix gets it I mean Driver then seems like the safe choice I, I think Phoenix gets it cause a lot of people are just starting to be like I think they're like just Joaquin Phoenix um, they don't like him. Yeah, no, they just don't like him as a human being. I just don't. I like the, the I don't entire know if people Beyonce, are watching this the entire Beyonce and... sitting down yeah. thing during his like, and I just I think as we get closer, as the voting's happening, I think people go like, mm, we're not big on Joker. I think so. To that end, I think two things. If it's not if he's not going to win it, I don't think Antonio Banderas is going to win it. If he's not going to win, it, I think Driver seems like the cool choice. He does. While yeah. DiCaprio seems like a really safe, good choice that everyone will be like, yes, but let's awesome. Be, let's be honest though. If, if just randomly all this vote splits and Jonathan Price wins, well, if we're watching it together, we'll both high five. I mean, here's the thing, I. I didn't love Adam Driver and Mary. My wife has unfortunately been fucking watching Girls for some reason, just because she doesn't. She's like run out of stuff to watch, and she's watching Girls, which is the fucking worst show. But you know what? Adam Driver yells in people's faces on that show all the fucking time, which means that like the thing he does in Marriage Story is a little less impressive for me. And he's off his 
fucking rocker in Girls. Like, his character is. He's crazy. And he's just... I think he's just better in other stuff than he is here. But, you know, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, if Jonathan I mean, Price... I don't, think, I don't think Banderas is going to win, but I just... I'm All right, picking it good for it you. Good fun. for you. But if we are watching together and Jonathan Price does win, we have to high five. Fuck yeah, we will. That's awesome. Jonathan Price winning <laughs> for this is awesome. Do you think the Pope is going to get invited? He's going to sit next to him? That would be awesome. And they high five? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, actress. We got um, Cynthia Irvio for Har- Harriet. Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story. Saoirse Roman for Little Women. Uh, Renee Zellweger for Judy. And somebody else for another movie. <laughs> Um, I'm doing my your, your crazy thing. I'm going to do mine here and say that Saoirse Ronan takes us. I'd be happy with that. I'm doing the uncrazy thing and saying Zellweger just wins it. Because the person I was convinced was going to win it did not get nominated. Which is Lupita. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so that was my that was my dark horse Like coming in Like when I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, Cynthia Erivo gets just trans. Like They just take her and they put Lupita in there because these Oscars stink. And so, but then she's going to win because she was just so weird and, and like flummoxing and just had to do two completely different characters. And she makes my, she makes my list. She's on my list too. Yeah. All right. Best picture. You want to do director first? You want to do. No, we're doing picture. <laughs> director last. Okay. Most important one. The most important award is director. Mm-hmm. Do we not agree with that? Hmm. You want to do director first? No, we could do picture first. I don't care. Okay. We got uh, Ford versus Ferrari, Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, um, some shitty movie from The Hangover Guy, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood also. And I think Quentin Tarantino gets mad that he doesn't win director and picture, but he'll have his best picture. Oh, so that was the Oscar that you thought. Okay. I thought you were thinking he was going to win. The big one he was going to win was director. No, I don't think he's going to win director. Speaking of director, Scorsese, Irishman, um, some schmuck for uh, that superhero wannabe movie. Um, Todd Phillips for Joker. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, Sam Mendes for 1917, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. The reason I say it does not win foreign language film is I think Bong Joon-ho wins for Parasite. Yeah, I that that's my my second guess Bong here. Jun-hoo, sorry, but I'm picking Mendy's, um, just because it seems like. When you said I'm picking, and I had this heart like heart attack moment where I thought you were gonna say Phillips. No, no. I was gonna take my. No, I don't think I actually don't death. think he's. Um, I actually don't think he's much even of uh, like a factor here. Because I think I can't. I can't legitimately imagine anybody picking him over. Any of these other people. Wouldn't it be great is if, like, a week before the Oscars, the Academy just starts talking about Greta Gerwig being the fifth nominee? Like, they just... And everyone's like, wait, no, Todd Phillips. I'm like... What? What are you talking about? No, it was Greta Gerwig. Todd Buildup? Who's that? Like a, like a bath thing? Wait, the guy... <laughs> the guy from... The guy uh, that did The Hangover? No, thank you. The guy you. from Different Strokes? <laughs> that that Todd Bridges? Todd... <laughs> No, 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 no. Todd Bridges had Phillips. I don't know who that is. Bradley Cooper? Like, he's a screwdriver? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I think Sam Mendes is, I think, 1917's. So, so we're in a new, 
We're in a new paradigm where studios are just fucking their like actors and their Oscar chances by releasing their movies too late, except for 1917, where like Alfre Woodard is just like can't be nominated because nobody has fucking seen Clemency. I forgot Clemency was coming out. Yeah, no one's fucking seen it. Did they even get like a special release? Are we sure it's not just got pushed back to 2020? They probably no, it's waited. out. They should have waited to 2020. I don't think they, it came out in Sundance, and I don't think they did anything to it. Like I didn't, I didn't read any reports of them like, like, fin- like doing any extra things to it. I think they thought they were gonna. Remember, I think they destroyed themselves. Was that a neon movie? Neon seems to really have fucked up this year. Who, who, did, who did Clemency? We're gonna look this up right now. If that's a neon movie, Clement like neon really fucked up. You could also argue that A twenty four fucked up because they got like nothing nominated. It's Neon. Neon fucked this year up. Yeah. Neon had Portrait of a Lady on Fire. They could have waited to next year. They had Clemency. They should have waited for next year. Instead, they're like, well, at least these two movies there that could have been huge Oscar contenders put them out and o- just put all of our energy in Parasite. But just put all of them, put them out in October. Just get them out there. Who yeah. cares? The rest of this podcast is going to be about how Neon screwed up. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, any... So- and, like, and, like, I love, like, Parasite. Like, Parasite's delightful. Yeah. Know? But Parasite um, also, like, they didn't fuck around with Parasite. Like, it got... I also forgot to put Parasite in my top ten, which is it's going to be in there. Which Oops. is that's weird. But... <laughs> I just forgot it. Um, is there... that, well, it's, Parasite's weird. It's like, I think it's a perfect movie, like, in terms of, like, everything yep. it's doing. But I watch it and go, like, that's a perfect movie. What's next one? Yeah. yeah. Um, is there anything that you thought you were surprised didn't happen that you thought was going to happen? In or the, in the nominations? Like, realistically. Because we both oh. have our things that are unrealistic. I'm actually, Frozen 2 getting nominated. I'm very um, surprised Shia LaBeouf didn't get an original screenplay nomination. I'm not. I don't think I am. Um, I thought Once Upon a Time in Hollywood missing editing was shocking to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nuwango missing for us. Yeah. Adam Sandler. Just, it was just like the year. I thought Uncut Gems might have got a sound editing nomination. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I didn't think Uncut Gems is going to get anything. They don't, Safety Brothers don't make movies that the Oscars. Well, watch. I just think, I thought Sandler would creep in, but they had like, they had their pick of actors that they could have put in There's there. There's just too many actors. And like with Joaquin Phoenix being Joaquin Phoenix and the two popes being good, it was just like one of those things. I'm weird. Like, I think it's weird that I'm Anthony thankful. Hopkins has got an Oscar nomination. I feel like they could have put anybody else in that too. Anthony Hawkins, was, I liked him in that movie though. But I liked him too. But you know, he's not like. Again, I'm going to go to Shia LaBeouf here. He's not Shia LaBeouf in like Honey Boy or The Peanut Butter Falcon. But those or, are small or movies. Or Taki Watiki in in Jojo Rabbit. I'm now that we mention it, I am surprised that they didn't get nominated. They seem to love that movie for no reason. Well, I, remember, I just like how people were like, "How did William Dafoe not make it?" It's like because he wasn't going to make it ever. <laughs> Like ex- when like he missed even like critic circles precursors like precursors was like he's not he's not making it guys yeah when he um as soon as that lobster speech started I think people were just like oh I'm yeah okay. at that point I was I was more convinced Jonathan Majors would get nominated than yeah but like you... if John I would have been more surprised by William Defoe getting nominated than if Jonathan Majors had got nominated. Yeah, it's weird. What you didn't, what I think is weird about this year, and maybe it's not this year, maybe it's like the last couple of years, where you essentially have, you have like 10 movies that have all the nominations. And you don't even, like usually the screen, we kind of talked about this, usually in the screenplay categories, you get like one or two like creeping in from like like really independent things or just like whatever. Or even like some of the supporting categories, you get like one or two like 
off the wall, like this was a really outstanding performance from this nothing movie. Um, but this year, you really didn't even get you that at all. These motherfuckers don't watch movies. Like every year, you like read those like sample ballots from several different people. Like I watched one of these movies, so I gave it the award. Yeah, and it's like because these motherfuckers don't watch movies. Yeah. Like their entire job is movies. They just watch the yeah. movies. All right. Um, we will be we me and you watch some movies, Mario, so we can have this conversation and our conversation next week. We will be right back uh, with some reviews, some new reviews after a long, long, long break with no new reviews. Welcome back. All right, so the first one we're going to talk about is the new Safdie Brothers flick um, starring Adam Sandler and Adina Menzel and Lakeith Stanfield and Kevin Garnett and Eric Bogosian. That's how you know it's a good movie, yeah, Eric Bogosian. Kind of. Well, yeah, yeah, he's in two scenes. Um, but that is Uncut Gems. You like to win, right? This is no different than that. Black Jewel power, nigga. This is my fucking way. You think I'm stupid, Howard? You and your whole fucking family. I heard you resurface your fucking swimming pool. I, you know how that makes me feel? Never resurface you anything. Than I don't life. know who said that. I told you about how things were going to go. You like the way things are going now? That's my family. Get the kids out of the house. You having a good time? Yes. This is me. This is how I win. KJ, it's game night. You should be stretching out. What is it, your coach? Nah, he's just a fucking crazy ass Jew. Yeah, Lakeith I like Lake, Stanfield. I like Lakeith Stanfield. He was great. I, 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 I mean, put him in everything. Did we really say like Lakeith Stanfield? Oh, Lakeith Stanfield was great. It's like saying water can make you drown. Or you could have just said water hydrates you. But it also drowned you. Like if you're like if, like, like in drowning, drowning performance drowning is almost overhydrating, right? Sure, that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. Stop overhydrating people. Yeah, um, you can't drink seawater anyway. Get out of there. What are you doing? Can't hydrate that way. Well, I was thinking about being like dunked under like filtered water. Sure, that happens all the time. Um, into your Brita. Yeah. <laughs> um, they use that was that's what the. The report was really about was they were using filtered Brita water to, to waterboard people. Doesn't matter. Um, Adam Sandler is, is Howard Ratner. He is a uh, New York City jeweler in 2012, and he has a severe gambling problem. And he is married to uh, Dina. That's Dina Manzel's character, and he also has his mistress. Um, Julia, played by Julia Fox, who works at the place and who lives in his apartment in the city. And one day he's he gets this rare black opal delivered to his store at the same time that Kevin Garnett is coming to look at some look at some jewelry, you know, some Furbies and some necklaces and some fake Rolexes that uh, Lakeith Stanfield's uh, Damani is gonna is gonna try to pawn off on him, and he sees this opal and he just connects to it. He sees his whole life flash before his eyes and and uh, thus sets off uh, a kind of um, you know what we're supposed to perceive as a super stressful moment in Howard's life, which is, I assume is always really very stressful. I'm not sure why this like moment is like so super special. And then this opal is supposed to be auctioned off. Um, 
you know, he thinks he's going to make Howard thinks he's going to make a million dollars on it, but Kevin Garnett's got it, and he can't get the can't get the the stone back, and he tries to get the stone back, but he owes a hundred thousand dollars to um, to Arno, played by Eric Bogosian, who we find out is like in his family. And he's borrowed this money. He's trying to get it back. And there's all these people that are trying to get it back from him. And he's, he owes money to Mike Francesa, who is a bookie. And he owes money to those two guys. Um, I don't know where those two guys came from, but they he owes them money too. Um, he also steals people's... He pawns people's jewelry that he borrows from them. So he gets a crucifix from the weekend. And he needs... And he sells it to get money to place bets, and then this guy needs it back, and he does the same thing with Kevin Garnett's ring, which Kevin Garnett gives him for his collateral, and then the whole thing just kind of spirals and spirals and spirals, and we're supposed to, and all the literature on this movie suggests that we're supposed to feel very tense about everything that's happening here. I felt a little tingly in the beginning. I think it was just an energy. Like the the movie starts out with a pretty good energy, you know. And the movie starts out fantastic, and, and for like me. Adam Sandler is like, oh, popping, no. not, not that part. No, no, but he's like popping jokes off to Kevin Garnett and stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he, it's just good. It feels good. It feels cool. It feels loose. Um, it feels a little mannered. I think that's. I think my problem with the Safdie brothers is that their thing seems very intentional and not like organ like an organic thing that they're good at or. Um, that they do, that's like part of their personality. It seems like something that they've just kind of concocted to, to make a splash here. And then as the movie goes on, all that, all that good stuff that's happening there, all that churning just goes away. And then you're just kind of left with the mess until the end, which I think works really well, um, where they're watching this basketball game in a couple of different locations. And, and, you know, he's walking around in circles and you get that pretty good, um, What's his name? Daniel Lopatin score, which is all right. In a couple of spots, it, it gets weird and bad, but it's pretty good. It's good at keeping like the the energy, the the atmosphere foggy. I would say, which kind of um, heightens a little bit of like the feelings that they're trying to get with like what they're doing with sound or what they're doing with movement, what they're doing with some of the editing. Um, when I texted you in the middle of the movie and I was like, have you seen this yet? And you were like, no, I haven't seen it. And I said, I am underwhelmed. And even though I really liked the beginning and I really liked the ending, there is an hour and a half in the middle of this movie that I did not give two shits about what was happening. See, am I, I agree to a high extent, except take out the ending because I just don't care about it either. Mm-hmm. My issue with this is it starts out really amazingly. That entire like 2010 sequence in Ethiopia, like it has a real... That has that frenetic energy and it has a real sort of manicism that you know everyone's claiming this film has in terms of like stressful in terms of its stressfulness yeah. just from the sound design of the drills in the background and all see, the voices. But I didn't like that stuff. It seemed really fake. But see, to me that that felt natural just because maybe because it just throws you in there and maybe. has like a really nice opening like long establishing shot that slowly comes into the crate like yeah. to the mania and. Um, that that feel that chaos and whatnot to it, and and you know just just the, the instantaneous like kind of intense amount of so gore in that scene with mm-hmm. the leg and the bone sticking out, leading you know it quiets down when they go in during the commotion to kind of like get the yeah the gem the opal. Um, I liked all that. Um, I liked leading, it too. I mean, I didn't love it, but I liked it. Yeah. Like looking through the gem and whatnot, and colonoscopy aspect and all that. Um, like that part's fun, but then everything else after it. It feels like 
a really carefully constructed narrative and film that just has a bunch of shit thrown on top of it to make it seem like it's really stressful. Yeah. To make it seem like it's really chaotic. But really, you're just watching kind of like the movie Payback, that Mel Gibson like late 90s movie, <laughs> mm-hmm. except, you know, more like somebody on the run instead of like seeking revenge. But it has that... It has that, that energy and that speed to it, or, you know, it, it, it feels like it feels like that, um, but it feels so well-controlled and so specific and so much like, like the narrative's been carefully crafted, but then, you know, it's kind of like that, that really manic sound design and, and that really awful outrun score, and I should love that score, but it's terrible because it's all distracting and meant to add to the stress of it. And I'm a person like who, who would respond to that stressfulness, but I just ended up watching this movie going like, this just feels like you couldn't actually create something that has a real kinetic, crazy energy. Right. And Good Time kind of actually had that. Yeah. Because um, it, it was kind of messy. They couldn't create, like, they, they created such a, a, a taunt film and then th- tried to throw shit on it to make it messy that it, it just felt bland and well, fake. And... The sound design, you know, the sound editing, the, the, the kind of like really hyper-focused amounts of sound and the yelling and the screaming and the, the high amounts of cursing and whatnot in it, and um, that kind of like really disconnected score just felt like things to be like distract you from the fact that they made just basically a really by-the-numbers kind of like man pushed against the wall sort of film that never felt like there was really no. intense odds. And you know why I think that's the case? And I don't know if you picked up on this, but I'm assuming you did. Is that like this movie takes place over the course of a bunch of days. Mm. A movie like this that's supposed to be tense should not take place over the course of a bunch of days where you don't even know how long like is existing between some of these moments, you know what I mean? How tense can that be? Does he go to sleep some of these nights? Like if he does, that's fucking bullshit. You know what? He shouldn't be sleeping. He should be fucking freaking out. And if you're going to give me a tense movie, I want to see him freaking out. I don't want to see him then taking the garbage out and then just kind of like walking back to his house. Or doing whatever, just casually getting dressed, or doing like all this other are stuff. Really, are Give really so focused tension. in his own like personal relationships, even though the world's crashing around him. That he's able to so like focus his attention. Well, that's on one of the really, really interesting aspects of this movie was like the kind of the character arc of Dina Manzel, which is not even an arc. She starts the movie saying like "fuck you," and then she ends the movie being. I mean, she's worried about like whether or not he's going to die, but she has that great moment like when she's trying her bar, uh, bat mitzvah dress on. When she's just like, I don't like you. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, and we don't like him either. I don't know why we think, why they thought we would, we should like him. Not even like, or that we should empathize with him. I don't feel anything for him. No, so I, when he I think, died, and spoiler alert, when he died, I was just kind of like, all right. I, mean, yeah, I, I was actually sad that Eric Bogosian yeah. got killed. No, I was, I was bummed about that. Because he doesn't really, like, like, Howard deserves it. And like, like Sandler does dine here. I don't. I wasn't blown away by me neither. Like Punch Truck Love and I thought Kevin Garnett was way better. Yeah, no, I love and Keith Stanfield's always great. Yeah, I like Bogos. Bogosian's doing different stuff here too. Bogosian's acting manic, like, and you usually don't see Bogosian like push. Yeah, scare like a real fear, and he shouldn't so much be in that position of fear, but he's playing it like very realistically. Yeah. Whereas Sandler's kind of playing it with this kind of, and he's supposed to play it with this like weird assuredness. Yeah. Um, throughout. And that works. Uh, well, but... so he, I mean, 
Yeah, but you, it, you you are following a main character who just are fine when he dies. Yeah, you don't you don't care. I was way more interested in the Kevin Garnett like storyline. You know what I mean? Like the idea that he was he was connected to the stone in like a real way. You know what I mean? They kept they showed the pictures of like like him as a kid and like the city he grew up in like and they just would flash back and forth and that was I thought really 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 effective and great. If only Space Jam 2 is Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen. <laughs> Kevin Garnett like having two, an existential two guys who well, I guess I guess Kevin Garnett having an existential crisis well, guess, with Bugs Bunny there. Yeah, that would I be guess awesome. LeBron James proved he's an okay comedic actor and uh he's fine in that one movie. No, I don't think Kevin Garnett would be a good comedic actor, but he would be a no, good just put, actor put him, ripping someone's heart out. Just put the three of them and like Ray Allen playing like self-reflective just all in Space yeah. Jam 2. Um <laughs> I I just I, I thought that was that seemed like it had stakes. You know what I mean? Kevin Garnett's character seemed like this meant something to him. I had no idea other than what everybody is writing about that like oh he's a he's like a, a, a adrenaline act junkie and like all this other stuff and the world doesn't mean anything unless you're winning and blah blah blah. blah. It's like yes, but he's never winning and I suppose that's supposed to make him like a tragic figure, but Kevin Garnett like is going to look at this rock and it's going to empower him to be physically better yeah. than he thinks he is. That is way more compelling than whatever the fuck Howard thinks is going to happen to him. And my problem with like a lot of the reviews, and maybe even this film, like what it's trying to do with like Howard's like kind of like living in the moment, and like even when he dies, he kind of has a smile on his face because he had that win. Yeah. Finally, and they're talking about like, this energy of like always living on the edge, always living for like at the at the edge of your seat. Hot hot take moment coming in. I saw that movie kind of done in that way, mm -hmm. but like a little bit better. And by that, much better. Like, had that same sort of energy. Had that same really... Uh, had that same kind of protagonist you don't give a shit about. But he always lives on the edge of his seat. Mm -hmm. Lives at the edge of the moment. Only cares about himself. Lives in, in, in this frenetic, crazy world. And that was a Neville Dean and Taylor's crank. For as absolutely ridiculous as the stakes are, like, in that film. You know, the, it, it takes place in an extremely tight amount of time. It mm -hmm. takes almost completely just basically real time Chev Chilios Jason Statham the immortal Jason Statham is a real just piece of shit but he has like this real energy to him he has this real kind of charisma to him that mm -hmm. Chev, you know that Jason Statham always has it, it just like what this movie was trying to do and like it does other things I mean overall as a crafted film it's better yeah, yeah. but in terms of like what it's setting out to do I like what like, Solid sounds like I'd rather be watching Crank and Crank is just as like stress-inducing and, and weird as that. Or even, like, their fucking... Like, Nevadine and Taylor's, like, later film, like, um, like, Gamer, which is an objectively bad movie. Like, these kind of, like, capture that kind of anxiety or stressfulness or kind of the, the selfishness mixed with edge of, um, like, getting to the precipice of yeah. whatever you're going to do. Uh, maybe not so much Gamer. But, like, Crank... Like does that so much better, mm -hmm. and it felt weird seeing uncut gems, a movie people like critically like beloved and were calling it this great exercise and in, in energy and stress and anxiety and going like, but I saw this done better as a shitty action movie yeah. twelve years ago. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think to I think aesthetically it's it seems new, like it seems like it's hitting some kind of new note and seems like vaguely more modernish, I guess maybe. I don't know though. It didn't. It didn't have. Have you seen Crank though? No. 
I'm not. Com- none of my comments are regarding Crank. Maybe at you all. have to see Crank. Maybe I do have to see Crank. Um, but let's. That's interesting. Let's transition from there, from like the, like the kind of unstressfulness of a of a narrative arc that's supposed to be stressful that takes place over the course of an undefined amount of time and maybe a week or maybe like a week and a half or whatever to a film that takes place uh, over the course of hours. A, yeah, over the course of a day, and that would be uh, Sam Mendes' Golden Globe ruining uh, 1917. In your own time, gentlemen. Must be something big if the channel's here. You have a brother in the 2nd Battalion? Yes, sir. They're walking into a trap. Your orders are to deliver a message calling off tomorrow morning's attack. If you fail, it will be a massacre. We've got orders to cross here. That is the German front line. If we're not clever about this, no one will get to your brother. I will. Tom Blake, played by uh, Toman from uh, Game of Thrones, I guess. I guess that's the thing where he's from. Uh, has oh, yeah, been, I didn't know that. I guess. Has been conscripted to choose a man and go on a very dangerous mission crossing the... Uh, no man's land into the enemy territory to deliver a mission to the second battalion of the Devonshire Regiment to call off their planned attack on what is to believe to be the retreating German force because as the general Colin Firth, General Colin Firth says, Mm -hmm. that's his character name, General Colin Firth. I think so. Um, Just like you have like Sergeant Andrew Scott and Sergeant Benedict Cumberbatch and I have thought on that though. I thought those Bill were... Mark Strong um, is is a trap. You know, the German yeah. regiment plans to annihilate all these sixteen hundred men, and they have until morning to deliver the message. Just the two of them, and they cross deep into enemy territory um, in a series of continuous shots that have been carefully constructed to not be continuous shots. Some clear, obvious cuts there because you have to have a time lapse. It's not an eighteen-hour-long movie. No. no. Would have loved it. I actually think I would have liked this movie a lot more had it been 18 hours. That would have been cool. Like, just, watch, just watch, you know, George McKay taking a shit. Yeah. That movie. Um, you know, and we watch the two of them cross for about 40 minutes, then we watch one of them finish it. Yeah. I mean, really, that's 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 the plot of 1917. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think ostensibly it is. Um, are you waiting for me to go? Oh, yeah, I want you to go first. Oh, um, I liked it. I liked it a lot, actually, um, because I think for the reasons that link up to kind of what you were intimating about the shots and stuff like that, I didn't care about. I went in purposefully. I obviously knew that it was like one long shot. Like, it's impossible not to know that. Um, or in reality, it's suppo- it's three long shots. Or three shots. You know what I mean? It's like the one long shot, and then the shot of his face, and then the shot of him going out. Like, there's a cut there. Um, despite what everyone says, there's, like, a definitive cut there. Um, but I really liked it. I had a good time. I didn't I didn't care about that at all. Um, it was not, like, a thing that bothered me or that I thought about, except in the beginning um, of the movie, um, I kept thinking this is, would be a good place to cut. And I just kind of have, I kept expecting the cuts. And I think 
having come off of seeing just seeing uncut gems, um, which cuts all the time, I was like, oh, they could put cut here, they could cut here, they could cut here, they could like show them walking and then going into um, like and then show them at the door of the general's you know bunker. Like they could do that stuff very easily. They could show them, especially because like when nothing happens, they can show them just kind of in each like individual scene if they wanted to. I got really into the idea that like it's just. I thought this had a tenser feeling to it than Uncut Gems did because of that. Not just because of the like continuous shot thing, but I think in some of the ways that they decided to do the continuous shot things. Like, so some of the shot choices, I think, are really, really excellent. I think the way they started it and ended it, and it kind of like Finnegan's Wakey, like... You started here, began, yeah. kind of type of thing. I thought it was really, really no, I, like I, ingenious. I thought it was a good narrative. Some of the stuff when decision. they when they're going through like um, when they're crossing that no man's land, they're seeing all the bodies and stuff like that. Some of those shots they could have done them differently, but I thought they did them in really, really interesting ways that kind of made you f- like appreciate the depth of of like the horror like that was that was there. So like when they're crossing when they're going around that big pit, you know what I mean. And they're and so then they're kind of it's kind of a angled like bird's eye view for a little bit, and then the camera kind of pans down and gets all the way down to water level. Like as they cross, I thought that was like a really interesting way to do that shot because they didn't have to. They could have. I think when you think one long shot, you just think the camera's going to be just in their face the whole time, and they're going to walk and they're going to talk and they're going to do stuff. But I liked the fact that the camera moved around so much. I think they got a lot of really good... So this is where, like, the Deacons thing, I think, really comes into play. Much more... It's much different than, like, the movie he won his Academy Award for, um, which the camera never moved. You know what I mean? The camera, he just, like, had to create, like, science fiction illustrations um, as establishing shots every once in a while. Like, that's what he had to do. But this, the camera really needed to do stuff. Like, the camera really had to interact with the scenery around it. And I thought it was... I thought it was really well done. I, I mean, I I liked it a lot. Is it like my favorite movie I've ever seen? Is it my favorite movie of the year? It isn't, but I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it in a way where, it's funny, I felt manipulated in some of the other movies that people are talking about, like in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and like The Irishman, obviously, which I didn't like. But I didn't feel manipulated. Even though they were clearly manipulating something, I didn't feel manipulated. And I don't know if it's because of that camera work. I don't know if it's because I thought George McKay was just excellent. I don't know if it was because I liked the idea of casting really famous British people as like the commanding officers where like each interaction had like a weight to it because it was, um, because of, of, of that fact, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, you, cause you don't really know who anybody is. And then you're like, Oh, there's Mark Strong. Like, Oh, there, I don't know who anybody is. Oh, there's Benedict Cumberbatch being an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, it, that had like a I think it was a really smart movie and I I really I appreciated it and not just on the level of like its artistry but I think it got I think it got close to some to some specific emotions not all the emotions because I think that's one of the things that the, a lot of the criticism is, is is saying about this movie that it's not taking into account like the breadth of the war it's just like this one thing but I think I think in some cases like just that one guy's like story that one moment like i think that's i think that could be enough i i know we want to cover like make a world war one movie that covers everything but i think this is a good movie like i think it's a really strong movie so last april 
uh, God of War, the new the new God of War came out, and it was made in such a way where the camera was always over the shoulder of Kratos. It was it was made to look like it was always one continuous shot, um, kind of leading from set piece to set piece or like interaction to interaction. Mm-hmm. Like even the pause screen was set up in that way, and. I hated that game. Like, like I hate much of the God of War series. Uh, for for well, I hate much of the God of War series for the fact that I just think it exemplifies kind of I can't, unnecessary I can't violence. In this conversation, just um, to do that. no, no, it's, it's leading. <laughs> okay. It's leading to a point. Um, but I hated that this particular last God of War because it felt really sterile. And my problem with this film um, is that it felt both at once like I was watching a video game campaign being played because of that one continuous shot and because of these like moments that felt like cutscenes where we got a famous actor like mm. Kevin Spacey was in like Infinite Warfare or whatever um that's another video game conversation like moment where it feels like it felt like moments where you interact with like an actor a famous actor to to do something after completing a mission um and sterile in the fact that like i you know world war 1 is a really underrepresented war like that that's fine. I don't need a grandiose kind of grand battle of the psalm and all that and you know, the the various aspects of whatever campaigns, you know, are going on. But you know, the, the thing you want from World War One, at least for me, is like a real intense representation of kind of like the horror of that war. Cause cause we've always talked about the horror of that war. And this film seemed to suggest the horror of that, but it is so totally sterile and safe and that was brody's problem with it too and it's just like we pass like when we're passing no man's land and we see like the body of a horse without like much blood and like we see it cuts i I like the shots of of the mud and everything and all i can think about is like as they're walking through like the waters like just oh like how bad trench foot was i wish we could see somebody with trench foot um you know like a shot of somebody like taking off their shoe with trench foot but like when it cuts to the bodies laying there there's one body that has its head blown off, but it's covered in like a piece of the fabric from its shirt. Hmm. I um, that. Where, where in the beginning or? Oh uh, yeah, in the beginning, like has they're like walking near. They're kind of like walking around that oh, trench yeah, that yeah, has yeah. the deep okay. pit yeah, yeah. of water. Yep. And like that just keeps happening. I really. Uh, this is a movie that needed that See, intensity. I don't. And I, I know it. It doesn't. Yeah. It sounds like a really lame criticism of it. No, but it's for the something criticism. that's supposed to be like a continuous shot, it's supposed to like. The fact that you're dr- driven so much by, um, you know, you know the, the stress of the situation and the one continuous shot's kind of like, it shows you the moments of kind of like a new mixed with the moments of, of, of you know, really frantic kind of explosive action. Because, you know, there's not, not a lot in, in, in the beginning 40 minutes except until the plane yeah. crash happens. Um, you know, you I, I felt like as though there, there could have been a lot of work done with an impending sense of building doom if the bodies in no man's land actually looked like they've been fucking blown apart because everything about that environment suggests like absolute devastation and destruction that was world war one you know this is a movie unlike hacksaw ridge that would have called for a bit of that um and combining that with like that kind of like that that one shot sequence to me just removed it from it and made it feel like i was watching a hollywood production of it yeah Beyond that, like in terms of the shots of the environment, like like you say, Deacons does an amazing job. I'm not 
this isn't like one of my top cinematography films of the year. I, I, I think it's really craftsmanlike and workmanlike in the sense of just the, in terms of the production design and in terms of getting you really on the ground level, um, like like how everything looks blown out, or especially when it gets to the city, yeah. um, the town, and you see that shot of the town square on fire, and it sounds like the sound design makes it sound almost like a rainstorm mm-hmm. with the fire, and like that shot's just tremendous. Um, you know, you know that's that looks great, and fucking George McKay carries Fantastic. this film yeah. like he's amazing. Like when you he know, gets the to the horrors end. of the yeah. war are paint like he carries yeah. all of like you know the first forty minutes to me. Dra- like drag a bit because it doesn't it feels really sterile and but has that jokes being told in the back of the truck mm-hmm. and his face is just like you could see him teetering on the edge of just shooting everyone in the fucking head yeah, like I, you could tell well, that he his wants gun to, is right under his chin yeah you could tell he just wants to either blow his own brains yeah. out or kill everyone around him yeah. like all the horrors of the war like he fucking he carries that and i'm i'm sad he's not getting as much of recognition as I feel he should have, mm, yeah. um, and just in terms of like, like everyone's talking about this being a technical achievement, but nobody's really I, yeah. saying like, he has to carry. Like, the fact that it's such a soft like R rating, mm-hmm. it's, and it's an incredibly soft R rating. I was yeah. surprised by that. Um, you get like two or three sequences of like kind of bloodish, and it's not even that bad. Um, and even Blake's death scene it, compared to something like uh, Giovanni Ribisi's death in um, Saving Private Ryan doesn't feel or James Badge Dale's death, um, very similar kind of death scenes in like the gray, like these moments of like a man realizing he's going to die. Like it feels really sanitized. Um, so like the fact that oh, what's supposed to have been like the war that made people go like, Oh, war is fucking awful. Cause like we're gassing each other and, and yeah. it was the war that's supposed to be the end yeah, of the war. I'm... Like he carried all of that horror on it. Um, and like he, did that job and it he earns like the entire shot that kind of like kind of slightly emotionally manipulative shot of like finally seeing the fact that he has the two daughters and the wife but like he carries that um but to me it, it's good but it it doesn't feel it feels like i'm watching sam mendy's recreate a memory and not so much of yeah. a representation of World so War this I. so this is where we're gonna this is the point where we differ is that I don't think I'm not worried about the representation of World War One because I I think the movie is not about that as much as about this one guy's emotions you know what I mean and so I'm responding not to like you know the the complete and total loss of like human life I've been listening to Dan Carlin's hardcore history about World War One. For like months now because they're like four hour episodes and there's six of them and it's just <laughs> taking me forever to get through. And like he talks about one of the like the conclusions by the time you got to 1916 from like all the generals, but specifically the Germans, was not like to kill the army. It was to ruin that civilization. It yeah. was to ruin society. Thus like killing the army essentially from the inside. I that's a big that's a big task for a movie to do so until they make a Verdun movie like that's not going to do it. So I think in, I think focusing on like one person's relationship to like the war like and what it means to them specifically I think is that seemed worthy to me. I I think I agree. I would I would really agree. And that's why I have no issues with it being 
a single kind of like small moment because I think that's the best way of kind of like being an introduction to World War One, a really kind of like underrepresented war when it comes to the totality of like fictional presentations. My problem comes in the fact that it feels like the work done in order to understand those emotions mm-hmm. comes off of like McKay's like terrific physical acting mm-hmm. and our previous knowledge of how bad World War One is. Mm. I feel like we're doing some of the lifting there. Yeah, like that's everyone kind of has the history and knowledge of that. The fact that like World War One kind of made World War Two, besides like, I mean, in terms of like the actual battles mm-hmm. and the, the warfare there, made World War Two like it was significantly worse than World War Two. But it, we come in with that knowledge. Yeah, you know. It would, and I don't need to see like a body being exploded or some soldier carrying like a torso, you know, like fucking Mel Gibson likes to do. But I just, I want to see some of that horror. I want to see some of that, not just kind of like people yeah. kind of tiredly sitting in a trench or like a body carefully kind of covered. I want to see something like, even if I don't need to right. see the bodies blown apart, I want to see like I a suppose... guy like kind of like. And you get a bit of that, like in the end. Yeah. Like in the end, when you see like him like walking through the bodies, looking for Blake and whatnot, and Richard, um, Richard Madden, Richard Madden, finally doing his doing, best to being un Richard Madden himself, but like like actually doing a decent job, which yeah. is weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. For actually, it's like, oh wait, I didn't realize that's actually Richard Madden until after. Yeah. Um, but like that—that's the one time like I really feel like you actually see it. Mm-hmm. You see that horror. Um, I felt like we were like McKay and the viewer were doing a lot of lifting in order to feel that weight. Yeah, and I suppose that and like and the, and the one speech of the metal, the speech of the metal is pretty great too. Mm, yeah, um, I think. Yeah, I don't know. If it's not so much. It's, and it is a. I mean, it's a criti- I think it's a good, really good movie. And I'm not saying, I'm not criticizing it so much as being like a disappointment. I'm criticizing it in the sense that I feel as though the one shot thing was like a mistake. It was a mistake. I don't think it was necessarily a mistake, but I felt like Mendes wanted to pull. I don't think Mendes really likes kind of like war vibe. Like even Jarhead isn't too graphic. No. Um, so I think he likes to pull away from that because it feels explo- he's very much like somebody that doesn't exploiting, like ex- yeah. exploiting. But I feel has I feel as though maybe to a kind of like lay viewer seeing some of that who who doesn't bring that knowledge in, who doesn't bring that kind of thought in, yeah. would have would have worked a little better. Mm-hmm. I, I think it, 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 this takes a, like a... He wanted to keep... Takes it, a, it kind yeah. of, I don't want to say a sophisticated viewer, but it takes a viewer who kind of has like a little bit more of a knowledge of the history to really understand what he's Well, he doing. wanted to keep it close. like So he, he wanted like yeah, the death to be like right next to you. You know what I mean? And, and like that one some, thing. And there's some moments that like really hearken to that. Like when they talk about like shooting the cows. But the German fighters on the dead... But the thing that the people point out is like, there's a dead dog. Like, those are the moments that are yeah. kind of there to go, like, oh, like bodies being laid around dead means nothing. nothing. Yeah. But this dog being dead, that's weird. You know, and so like, there's those little moments at Mendy's. And that's why I say, like, this is a really well crafted journeyman like movie, but I don't feel like it's going to touch a wider audience. But, like but it other. is. I mean, hopefully. It's I mean, weird. it's going to be 35 million. Yeah. Um, hopefully, it, hopefully, it retains well. Um, I think it will. I think I saw it in Southbury on a month. I texted you about it on a Monday at eleven in the morning, and it was like people a three eating their pizzas. Their two pizzas, and it was in their biggest theater. It was three quarters full. Yeah. So hopefully it does because I think, I mean, I do want to see 
World War One like represented like World War One. Well, this is like someone's like, gonna I, make. It doesn't need to be it, that. I mean, fucking Mel Gibson. Someone's gonna don't make do a it. three and a half hour Verdun movie. You I don't know what I mean where you show no. all the when you see all the moving pieces and how like the Germans did this and like the French and the English were doing this and like they all thought they were doing something else and then they're just oh, like oh everyone's I, dead. I don't need to see that. I just I need to see like I want to see like the you know they were never the, the violence and the gutturalness of it just like kind of like the, hmm. the like the this is how bad that war is and can be um and like this is like i don't think mendy's need to make that movie but i just think there is a disconnect there to where it feels too much feels like too much like an art narrative piece. or our art piece or um like a focus on the stories he was told and hmm. that, like a big part of that is the stories he was told like he yeah. said that that it's fragments yep. um and then that way it works, like kind of retaining a memory. Um, but in terms of kind of being, and, and this is maybe me demanding something that I shouldn't be demanding, but in terms of being kind of like this gateway to more artwork, like more art focusing on World War yeah. One, um, it just, it doesn't do it. It doesn't do me. it. All right. Um, I don't know how to transition out of World War One to the, our last, our last. Well, movie. you know what happens during World War One? That was a pretty bad war for America. Spanish-American War was pretty bad. You know, it was really bad for America. The Civil, Civil War. Civil War, yeah, was also bad. So, uh, uh, in that spirit, let's go to our last movie, which is uh, the Bob Odenkirk hit film, Little Women. Little Women. This is Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe. I'm working on a novel. It is a story of my life and my sister's. Make it short and spicy. And if the main character is a girl, make sure she's married by the end. Ow, Joe! I want to be an artist in Rome and be the best painter in the world. That's what you want too, isn't it, Joe, to be a famous writer? Yes, but it sounds so crass when she says it. My girls have a way of getting into mischief. Well, so do I. This is Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe. I intend to make my own way in the world. No one makes their own way. Least of all a woman. You'll need to marry well. You are not married, aren't you? Well, that's because I'm rich. Isn't uh, it a real bummer that Meryl Streep features so prominently in that, in that uh, um, this trailer? This movie, directed by Greta Gerwig, um, written, adapted by Greta Gerwig um, from the Louise May Alcott novel, um, has its two flaws for me are both in the casting. That Meryl Streep performance. I, let's get. We got to do something about this Meryl Streep thing. It's enough. Yeah, it is enough. And I know that I'm saying something. I know we're. I have, I you have, and three, me, Mario, I have three performance criticisms. You and me, Mario, are saying something here that is unpopular and and that people are going to think is irrational. She stinks I mean, in this movie. Oh yeah, she's bad in this movie. But she works sometimes. Like Devil Wears Prada, she works. Yeah, in that. fine. Every once in a while, she's fine. But most of the time, in like the last 20 years, she's just in the fucking way. Just get her out of here. Cast somebody else. And to that end, Bob Odenkirk as the dad is okay when we know that Bob Odenkirk is the dad. He makes a couple of jokes. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. That's Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk. When you haven't seen the dad for two hours, and then like the dad shows up and it's Bob Odenkirk... That is... I did not realize Bob Odenkirk was a dad. And when he came up, I was like, mm, Greta Gerwig, why'd you do that? That is a cup of ice water on, like, a lot of hot feelings that I was having. Like, I was... To to put it mildly... But, this, luck, luckily for me, I had one other significant... Which is, which is, uh, which is what? Uh, I fucking think Emma Watson's... 
She is a piece of wood. She's terrible. She is a piece of wood, my friend. I mean, I wasn't <laughs> big. I wasn't big on Eliza Scalin either. Yeah, I thought she was fine, but like, like I thought she was fine, and I don't think Beth actually required. Beth doesn't need to do anything. No, I think they got a good actress who could play. 12 and 19, yeah. like, relatively well. But Emma Watson, Jesus. <laughs> Emma Watson. So, so when Bob Odenkirk showed up, I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. Like, Bob Odenkirk's good at Odenkirk and Florence Pugh but threw her. Not... Florence Pugh threw a bowl of popcorn in the air Well, Emma Watson just, like, woodenly w- walked over to him and was like, is this, Daddy. Is this where I say? Where's my tape? You? Where's the tape? Where's I know I need to know where I stand. And it's got a big E on it. Um, uh, Little Women tells the story of the March sisters, uh, Joe, Meg, Amy, and Beth, um, played by Saoirse Ronan, Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, and Eliza Scanlon. Uh, their mother, Marmy, is played by Laura Dern. Um, and the Dernissance. The Dernissance, yeah. Um, and it is tells us it's post-World War, just post Post Civil War, post, um, well, the well, I mean, America is the world, so yeah, it's basically like exactly. the World War Zero. Yeah, we're very myopic on this on this show. It's just us and everyone else. Um, go to hell. Um, the four well, mar- Nobody needs to testify for the Senate. It's fine. No. Well, the, yeah. The, no, nobody needs to testify. They should all just vote to impeach him. Um, it's about the March sisters getting along in the world. Um, with their desires kind of outstripping their means to meet those desires and, and how they deal with them and, and how they deal with their relationships. Uh, Timothy Chalamet plays Theodore Laurie Lawrence, who is, where, what is, what is this feeling? This is not going to be bad, right? No, this, this is like, yeah, he's fucking Timothy fucking Chalamet, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't, Ah, oh, man. We're going to make this... I don't want to say this. We're going to make this relatively quick because we got to go. Yeah, I don't want to say this, but... I mean, I think fucking Florence Pugh's amazing in this. Florence, And what's great about this is Florence Pugh for the first hours, fucking she's annoying a, She's shit. a kid. That's what she's supposed yeah, to be. I know, but I want... Did, I hated her, and I was like, how the fuck did she like get any sort of she, awards there? And then also, like, the second hour happens, and like... Oh, okay. Yeah. Never mind. She's like, amazing. She talks through her fucking nose yeah. for the first hour, and Saoirse Ronan does, like... One of the best like Massachusetts accents I've heard in a film, mm-hmm. in like including Affleck, and like she she carries a lot of emotion while still being really controlled. And I hate and like I love Dern in this, and I hate saying this for, like movie Little Women, but fucking Chalamet destroys this movie. Well, I think Chalamet is a kind of good. He's like a button. He keeps everything tight together. You know what I mean? So where everything can. It's possible that the emotions. Oh, and of Tracy these... leads too. Tracy leads. Oh, Tracy leads. But no, I think no. That won't oh, work at all. I thought you were saying, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. the response is no. Tracy, Tracy it's a, a Lisa song also. fucking hilarious. Lisa's this. great. Um, I'm not going to go into the plot. Just fuck up, look up Little Women. But the, the, the thing, okay, so I'm not super familiar with the other productions of Little Women. I read the book. It's not told non-linearly, right? That, that was a choice. That was a choice, yeah. Come here. Because that choice fucking works. Works a lot. Really well. And even and my, especially works in service of the ending to be like a big fuck well, you to like and, the like the yeah and the, ending, the people who are like the whatever the little women like per, not perfectionists but the little women like purists mm-hmm. so like what the li- ending I, so after I saw this movie in which I almost cried like five times um, I said to myself this is was well, one of the parts you're the rudest boy 
Laurie. No, that was awesome. <laughs> I Chalamet's just I, I fucking him, acting his I ass him just off. Push her over, and Emma Watson's just like. <laughs> no, that was Is great when she was like, Harry Potter "Do you at least like how I look?" No, yeah. I don't like all the fluff and feathers. And she's like, "Oh, crushed, crushed." Um. Well, no, I said to that me. she would be crushed if it was an actual actress. Yeah. Um, when I. When I came out of this movie, I said to myself, this is a list breaker for me. Um, because I I just think I, I think Greta Gerwig is fucking hitting home runs now, man. She's hitting fucking home runs. And that's the, th- that's the thing I found interesting. So the first hour of this movie, I ah, first like 40 minutes of this movie, I, I hated it. I was like... It, it, Why did you hate it? Well, because it felt like... Because I didn't really get the fact that like... Well, one thing, Emma Watson is just like bland. Just, she never gets better. And... Like, Saoirse Ronan's kind of, like, centered and controlled, but still childish. And Florence Pugh's just talking through her nose. And, like, is the most annoying human being ever. And Laura Dern's kind of just, like, kind of there, but kind of like a center, but not doing too much work. But then as, like, you know, Beth gets sick and, like, everyone matures and all that, I'm like, oh, whoa, nope. Like, it... It earned like those those forty minutes of frustration became earned. Yeah, they're there for a reason. See them grow. Yeah, and I was like, and I I don't know if the non-linear kind of storytelling is a service to that, like in the first forty minutes necessarily. But it just it ends up just working, and I don't know why it works, but it works because you go from feeling a certain way about those characters and like making up your mind, um, and then realizing that you have you were in yourself kind of like being hyper judgmental and kind of like immature in those feelings and and it's like it's definitely a core centered kind of like growth it's like a really well established like one of the best establishments of like growth in characters like over you know 130 minutes i've seen in film yeah like probably ever like in terms of like all like fuck it the fuck the 1994 well, version to the, to the like that doesn't yeah. feel at all. like everyone loves that movie but like it yeah, it, you don't like. It, it's a really. I hate to break it to society. Winona Ryder is not Saoirse Ronan. Yeah, I mean that um, last speech that Saoirse Ronan gives about like you know about you know women are worth more than like just being pretty. And what, but I'm so lonely is one of the most earned speeches of a, like one one of the most earned expressions of emotion that I've I've encountered in a movie. Like it, it's so it has everything to do with everything we've just experienced. It's like a perfect emotionally linear like conclusion to where that character should be and the way she says it too she doesn't like say but i'm so lonely she doesn't like she doesn't like kind of like uh, emote on it she kind of like hiccups it well they kind of like hiccups out yeah and like, like it, it, it's like it, it it she feels like she's being defeatist to herself and she's she's like betraying her own sensibilities right you know saying it but she's got to admit it because that's how she feels because no matter like like that's just what well, she wants for me, the beauty in that is that it's it mirrors or it echoes the conversation she has with um, her mother when, like, Laura Dern is like, I'm angry almost every day of my life. And she's like, you'll do better than me. Or she's like, you're so much like me. I'm angry almost every day of my life. You have to do better than me. And it's not that it's one's doing better than the other. It's anything. It's that that emotion which exists in both of these women is coming out in this different way. So where Laura Dern can crush it down and she can put all of her, that stuff, those like super hot emotions into being like the best mother she can be. Joe at that moment doesn't feel like she has any of that. 
which is how the book comes into play. You know what I mean? She takes that stuff. She takes the tears. She's fucking crying about it. And she puts it into like this book. She puts her, she puts her war coat on, you know what I mean? She lights her candles and then she writes a book with both hands, even though it was super unsafe to have a lit candle surrounded by a bunch of, of, of old 18, they weren't, paper. they weren't that old at that point. They were, they were new 1800s paper. Uh, what I like about that, though, too, is just, just the, the betrayal of, of the, the, the May Alcott book, which I felt, you know, uh, a fixture of its time, but but like they, like Dashwood kind of says, like it has to end in these ways. And just the fact that, you know, instead of burying, and like that's why like the deconstructed narrative works so well, and that in the end it just becomes the ending of Little Women being written, not the ending of Joe's life. Like she doesn't fucking go off with um, uh, Frederick. Yeah. Um, you know, she finds she's she's she supplements not she doesn't supplement her loneliness, but she finds her community through both her book and through the creation of her school. She yeah. doesn't fucking like she's like you know like Lori she does her. like it's like but it's not the tells, end of her life. Yeah. yeah. Like Lori, you know, tells her, um, you know, it's 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 kind. Of, she is that kind of like independent spirit. She's and. Like every other kind of adaptation, even like the Little Women itself, kind of feels like a betrayal of Joe. And this, like, what Joe is, you know, like she's lonely and whatnot and and whatever. But it becoming that she kind of establishes her own sort of independence mm-hmm. and 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 finds her community in her own way feels much more in tune with the Joe you've been reading. Yeah. Before, like, until that fucking ending. Yeah. Um. You know. Well, one thing to talk about too is like the the turn in this for me is fucking Pew's speech. The Pew's uh, speech is fantastic, and with, I mean, in the mythology of that now, like that's coming out, is that you know she Gerwig put a speech like that in, and then she kind of took it out and she put it in, took it out, put it in, took it out, and like she kind of vacillated over whether she was doing it. And the day they were going to shoot it, she just gave this these pages to Florence Pugh and was like, "We're doing this today," and so she just did it like yeah. that day. And it's it's. And we're talking about the speech where Florence Pugh talks about about what marriage is. Right. Like, if if we have children, they will be your property. And and what's I mean for me, the ending of that speech, the non-words is that she has like a little hitch in her breathing, where you can tell that 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 cost her something to say. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's a it's a not just a it's not just a speech delivered to give us information or to give us an emotional. Like thing to lean on, it it was for herself. Yeah, she, she had to she say had it. To and see it, it meant to realize something it. to say because that's the that's the that's the break in the, in the arc of the character where you finally feel like the character becomes this person who's been kind of like bred by uh, Aunt March to be a certain way, and where she finally becomes the independent kind of free thinker she is, and yeah. then that relationship afterwards is portrayed as Lori's kind of like the one totally utterly enamored to aim to Amy, and Amy's the one that's kind of the the um, not I don't want to say dominant, but kind of she is the the more guy like she's the, she's the she inspires she's him the to, anchor to she's grow the up. anchor yeah. to that relationship yeah she is the, the mature one after being a child she's the mature one he is you know behold he is kind of he feels almost beholden to her yeah like he he is wrapping his identity or she's so afraid of that speech says like like for marriage is a woman wrapping her financial and and ideological identity around the man you know when she says that speech and and, and the turn in Lori realizing that that him and joe isn't meant to be and realizing that he still has growing up to do and then the representation of that relationship afterwards is the fact that she is then becomes 
like he's probably he's still obviously the financial anchor because fucking yeah but she's it, his identity she is the identity yeah, yeah yeah his identity is her is, yep. is set by her like she's the one that like like when he's sitting there he's sitting lower than like when they're kind of like sitting there yeah. around he's sitting lower than her she's the one that wraps like touches like wraps her hand around him mm-hmm. you know I like that like it feels fucking yeah. good to have just like this good like modern well, adaptation I mean, we're gonna end here. Because, really quickly though, yeah. Good. Can we get a movie that's just Saoirse Ronan and Tracy Leeds talking to each other for like an hour and forty minutes? Uh, we could definitely get it. Actually, it would probably be a play that Tracy Leeds writes. <laughs> is, it, is it set like in a motel where they? No, it's going to be regular. It's going to be a regular play. It's going to be a totally regular play. There's <laughs> not going to be any. There's going to be some chicken legs. There's going to be any chicken legs involved in this play at all. Matthew McConaughey is not going to be involved in the movie on any level. It's just going to be a regular... Gina Temple's not going to pop up? No. It's just going to be... No Gina Gershon is not going to make an appearance in it. It's just a regular movie. Regular play by Chase Reyes. Yeah. And Will Freakin can direct it. There you go. Um, We're going to talk about this movie more next week. We're going to do our best of the year. Both of us. Um, uh, Until then... Folks, next week's best of the year. We're gonna wrap a bow on 2019. The the janitors are dusting out the uh, William Howard Taft Memorial Student Auditorium right now. Yep, they're taking the sheets off. We sent out the invitations, the gift bags. Brett and Alice is gonna be here. You know it. We're getting (laughs) kidnapped.